0: Thank you, Kenneth, for leading service and Lacey and the music team for leading us uh, in the time of singing praises to our Lord. I don't know about you, as I sing the Christmas carols, I can feel the mood of Christmas is in the air once again. It's really by God's grace that he has seen us through another year. And can you believe it, we are in the month of December. And for the month of December, the sermon theme will be on Christmas. And uh, most of the stages here will be evangelistic. I Do invite your uh, families and friends to come and join us uh, at our services. So uh, before I go any further, can I invite us to close our eyes and commit this time to the Lord in prayer. Speak, O God, that we may listen. Open up our ears and hearts to receive your words. And may you work through your spirit to use my feeble lips to speak clearly and faithfully, and that you will help us to receive your words with joy and gladness, and that you will enable us to trust and obey We commit this time unto loving hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, for those of you uh, who know where I stay, I live just right across Bukit Bato MRT. Uh, So, when I first move in, every night from uh, 10 p.m., after 10 p.m., till morning 6 a.m., when it was quiet, I can actually hear the station announcement. It goes something like this train door closing. It bothered me quite a bit and affected my sleep in the beginning but after more than 16 years i learned to ignore the station announcements and tune out and soon i realized that it didn't bother me anymore Uh, in fact now without the sound of announcements and a passing train i find it hard to sleep at night i pray that we will not be too familiar with the christmas messages that we tune out and no longer listen to what God has to say to us and I pray that this afternoon we will listen to uh, the Christmas message afresh. So if you are following me with the sermon outline in the bulletin, I made uh, minor changes to it. Uh, So what exactly is Christmas? Well, Christmas is the announcement of God's plan to grace us. And second, it's also his announcement of his coming king, and thirdly, is the announcement of God's faithfulness to us. So Christmas is the announcement of God's plan to grace and to bless the world. In the passage for this afternoon is Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. So we see that on the first Christmas, it begins with the announcement of two pregnancies. The first is to an old barren couple. A priest called Zechariah and his wife, Elizabeth. And verse 6 tells us that they are both righteous and they walk blamelessly before the Lord. And God sent his angel, Gabriel, to Zechariah to announce that his wife is going to be pregnant and she will bear him a son. See, what better way to receive God's grace than to be told that you are pregnant with child. I remember when I first got news that I'm going to become a father, my heart leaps with joy to receive. It's such great joy to receive this little bundle of joy from the Lord. But Zechariah, despite being a man of God, despite the passage uh, telling us that he has prayed to God to ask for a child, he reacted in unbelief. And so he was made mute until the birth of this child, John. And while his wife, Elizabeth, for some unknown reasons, she went into hiding for the first five months of her pregnancy. The second announcement went out to a young virgin girl called Mary. See, God could have chose from any womb in the world to bear his son, Jesus. He could have chose uh, the daughter of a rich noble God could have chose uh, one of the virgin daughters of uh, Israel's elders or he could have even chose Elizabeth. But instead, he chose to entrust Jesus to a lowly young virgin about the age between 12 to 14 years old, betrothed to a poor carpenter, Joseph, from a small town, Nazareth. So remember at this stage that Mary is still unaware of her impending pregnancy because the, the angel haven't told her anything yet. Nevertheless, God shows his grace to Mary as he sends Gabriel to her in Nazareth to greet her. And a few things must be said about Mary and Nazareth. See, to us modern-day Christians, we all know about Nazareth as being part of the Jesus story, isn't it? But in those days, Nazareth is obscure nazareth is never mentioned not even once in the old testament and no one during those days would know where nazareth is it's like some 30 years ago when i travel and go to a foreign country and when people ask me hey where are you from when i when i tell them i'm from singapore they will ask which part of china is this isn't it and so the gospel writer luke he had to use galilee as a reference point for Nazareth. Okay, now let me test you how well you know Singapore. Do you know that there's a place in Singapore called Pulau Satumu? Are you all Singaporeans? This is part of Singapore, but it's located south of Pulau Bukom and south of Semakau Islands, islands which maybe we are a bit more familiar with. It is the southernmost island of Singapore and it houses the Raffles lighthouse. That's probably how Ulu or how remote Nazareth was. Not only in terms of location, but in terms in the minds of the Jewish readers. No wonder in John chapter 1, verse 46, when one of Jesus' disciples was told that they have found the Messiah in Nazareth, he exclaimed, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? But nonetheless, God sent his angel Gabriel from the heights of heaven down to the dusty road of Nazareth to announce that God has chose to grace and to be with Mary. And what's Mary's response? See, most people would be shocked when an angel suddenly appears in front of you, isn't it? Like Zechariah, when he was in the temple and an angel appeared, he was gripped with fear. But if you look at the passage, it tells us, that Mary was deeply troubled not by the angel's appearance but by his greetings of God's grace, his favour and God being with Mary. Why was Mary troubled? Perhaps she didn't believe that it is possible for God to grace someone as lowly as her. Did the angel make a mistake and went to to the wrong address? Uh, Sometimes the delivery guy will come to the wrong address. Mary will be thinking, why me, of all people? But we see the angel's confirmation in verse 30. He reaffirms God's favour upon her. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. Essentially, the angel is telling Mary, Mary, it is not about you, it is about God. God favours whom he chooses to favour because he is God. God showers his blessings to us all. God doesn't bless us according to our age, our social status or our race. No one is too lowly in status to receive God's blessings. So God doesn't bless you based on your PSLE results. Or for those who ran the marathon yesterday, not how well you fare in the marathon either. You may be a nobody in men's eyes, but you matter to God. God is determined to bless you regardless of how the world views you. Our value is determined by God and not man. And God saves the most horrible sinners who work as lawyers, doctors, top server servants, And pastors and God also saves the unworthy sinners such as ex inmates drug addicts adulterers and everything in between you are never too unworthy for God it is not about you it is about God because God favors whom he favors and if this is so if God saves us by grace then why do we judge each other by works? Do we only hang out with people like us, people of our similar social status? Those who go to school, if you are attending a better school or more so-called elite school, uh, would you talk to others from a neighbourhood school or are they not your type? And as ridiculous as this may sound, uh, I heard of Christians who speak only to people who speak good english that means you'll be speaking to pastor kenneth and not me but if you figure out all this by now the solution is this if you look up to god to understand how much he has graced you despite your unworthiness then you won't look down on yourself and you won't look down on others the first lesson that we learn is that the christmas announcement it's about God's grace, his plan to bless the world, including the new bodies of this world. But the question is, how is God going to grace Mary? In verse 31, it tells us three things. That Mary will conceive, she will bear a son, and she should call his name Jesus. See, there are many instances in the Bible of God opening the womb of barren Women, isn't it? People like Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and even Elizabeth. But the difference is this, that this is no ordinary child. Verse 32 and 33 tells us, shall we read this together? He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. David and will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. These texts up here are lifted from 2 Samuel chapter 7. It is known as the Davidic Covenant, where God made a promise to David that one of his descendants in the future will be the Messiah, will be his king who will rule forever. And being a Jew, Mary would have understood that the angel, what the angel is saying, that the child in her womb is none other than the promised Messiah. Christmas is the announcement of God's coming King. Uh, early last year, there was also there was an announcement of the coming of two heads of state. Do you all remember? Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un. In Singapore, we went into overdrive and spare no expense to welcome them. And according to the news report, we spent something like $16.3 million to host the Singapore summit. There were road closures and security forces worked overnight. But one and a half years on, not much has changed to their IC relationship. And the coming of these two head of state amounts to little benefit to the world. So much fanfare, so little fruit. But unlike the coming of Trump and Kim, the coming of this king is different. How different? The passage tells us that Jesus will be great. Some people attempt to do great things to attain greatness, like Trump who wants to make America great again. And often the greatness of kings and rulers is measured by how well they led the country and the legacy that they left behind. But for Jesus, he's simply great. Jesus' greatness is unqualified and absolute. And such greatness is the, greatness, is the attribute of God alone. And it tells us that he will be called the son of the Most High. In the Bible, Most High refers to God alone, like how we use Almighty to refer to God. It's another way of re- referring to Jesus as the Son of God. And his rule doesn't come from being voted into power by the people or wrestling power from other rulers. He is installed by God as king, it is a divine appointment. And while some earthly rulers have thrones, they sit on thrones, but they have limited powers where they are reduced to a symbolic figurehead who plays ceremonial roles like going around, gracing events and cutting ribbon. Jesus' throne comes with divine authority and power. And we see that his kingdom will last forever. His rule will not be overthrown or voted. He will not be voted out by opposition, unlike our northern neighbours. His kingdom will outlast all kingdom, meaning his is a universal kingdom. And God's grace to Mary and to us will come through this king. And this is the king that God has promised to give to the world to bring about his rule and his blessings. And you and I, we are all invited to be part of the Christmas story, to receive Jesus as king. So what does it mean to call Jesus King? It means that no matter how messed up your life is right now, you are not alone in a mess because your King is with you. He knows your every fear, your every tears, your every suffering and every shame. Your King is with you and for you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Surrender to him, and your king will lead you out. His king over every sickness. His king over every single uncertainties in your life and mine. Surrender to him, for your king is great. And those who are parents among our meats, it means that he's king over your children and my children's life as well. When our children are away from us, perhaps in children's church camp, or studying or working overseas, God is with them, for Jesus is great, and he has divine authority. He's able to watch over them. Because he's king, we do not have to be anxious. And we are also invited to continue the Christmas story to tell others about our King, to invite them to our services this December, to hear the gospel message, or to pick up the invite card and invite them for our Christmas skied, Or better still, tell them about King Jesus yourself. So even as the angel came to announce the first coming of Jesus, you and I are entrusted to announce the second coming of Jesus to the world. And next we see Mary responds to the angel's announcement of her pregnancy with a biological question, a reasonable question. In verse 34 Mary asks the angel, how will this be? Since I am a virgin, in Greek, since I do not know a man, meaning since I have not had sexual relation with any man. See Mary may be young, but she's not ignorant of where babies come from. They don't come from stocks, or as my mother has told me, I was picked up from the dustbin, and for many years I believed her. And what Mary raised is an important issue, a somewhat major obstacle, a human impossibility. See, the virgin birth, or more accurately, the virginal conception, is a unique claim to Christianity, and to that of the birth of Jesus. And many have found it hard to believe. But our Christian faith is not a faith without reason. It's not superstition. It's not blind faith. And like Luke, the Gospel writer, who tells us in verse 2, that he investigates, he interviews eyewitnesses, he collects evidence to find out who Jesus is. We should too. So at this point, I'd like to deviate our attention from the Gospel of Luke to other parts of the Bible. I need you to stay with me now as I take us back to Isaiah to understand the meaning of the virgin birth. So back in Isaiah's time, Judah, God's people, they were unfaithful to God and their faithlessness is epitomised by the king, King Ahaz. So during his reign, during King Ahaz's reign, Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel, for those who are not familiar, has already been broken to, uh, has already been split into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom called Israel and the southern kingdom called Judah. They once are one nation. Once upon a time, they all belong to God. But now they have broken up And there was a rising power called Assyria. Assyria was a superpower of that time. And so the threat of Assyria threatens Israel and another nation called Syria. So Israel and Syria, they form a coalition and they want to force Judah to join them in rebellion against superpower Assyria. But Judah, King Ahaz, refused to, not because he's faithful, but because He trusts in Assyria. And so as a result of that, Syria and Israel threatens to invade Judah. And so with that threat in mind, with an impending threat, God sent the prophet Isaiah to King Ahaz with this promise in Isaiah chapter 7. He tells Isaiah that God will defeat the coalition of Syria and Israel. God will destroy them. Judah don't have to be fearful of them. Judah just had to trust God alone. But, and also to confirm God's faithfulness, God invite King Ahaz to ask for a sign and God will give it to him. But King Ahaz in his faithlessness, he rejects God's promises and he hypocritically refused a sign and he trusted Assyria for salvation. And this is where God gave the birth, the sign of the virgin birth, in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin, the Hebrew word is Alma, shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. The contention is the word Alma, because the word Alma, Can be translated to young a young woman who's of marriageable age. But we know that word without context has no meaning. So if I say, wow, you are hot, so what am I saying? Are you hot or are you hot? Okay, anyway, not not a very good example, but you know where I'm going, right? Okay, I'm a pastor, very dangerous to say such words. (laughs) But anyway, back to the word alma. Elma means a young lady of marriageable age. And it is never used, never used in scripture to describe a young, presently married woman. Never. And it is also important to remember that in the Bible, a young Jewish woman of marriageable age was presumed to be chaste, to be presumed to be a virgin. And we see that in Genesis 24, verse 43, where the patriarch Abraham he sent his servant to, to look for a wife for his son Isaac, right? So he sent his servant to look for a wife for his son Isaac, and his servant found Rebecca, and the servant refers to Rebecca as Elma, as a virgin of young marriageable age. It's like example today, right? When if I mention NSF, straight away, what would you have assumed? assume NSF is a Singaporean or a second generation Singapore PR you will safely assume that he's a male and that he's between the age of 16 and a half to 25 years old isn't it so likewise the word Alma in the Bible context refers to a young virgin and why did God give this sign of the virgin birth if we see further further on it is A sign of God's presence, because the child will be named Emmanuel, God with us. It is a sign of God's presence in judgment against Judah, Israel, and King Ahaz. And we see that the the fate of Judah is connected to this child. It says, it affirms three things in the sign that this child will grow up in poverty. As the child is growing up, the, the land will be devastated. And god also promised that the threat of the twin threat of syria and assyria will be no more they will both fall to assyria the superpower and huge disaster would also fall on the house of david which is judah and king ahaz he comes from the davidic line he comes from the house of david meaning because of their unfaithfulness the house of david will be no more but yet in god's faithfulness He continues to be with his people. So judgment is proclaimed, but God continues to preserve a remnant for himself. So after the destruction of Israel and Judah was decimated, God mentioned this in Isaiah chapter 9. In the midst of the gloom and doom which looms over Judah and Israel, God promised that he will shine his light in Galilee. And where was the announcement of Jesus' birth? which comes to Mary in Nazareth of Galilee. And Galilee is where Jesus would grow up. And God will bring restoration and peace himself. So in the face of faithless kings of Judah, God himself will install a faithful king for the house of David. Shall we read this prophecy together? For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. So God himself will bring about this king. And Matthew confirms that Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of the sign of the virgin birth in Matthew chapter 1, verses 21 to 23. And so, the sign of the virgin birth is God's promise of his presence in judgment to Isaiah, in Isaiah. And it's also a promise of God's presence in salvation through Jesus in the New Testament. Judah's unfaithfulness led to the fall of the house of David in Isaiah. But God's faithfulness restores the house of David by the giving of this child. Now back to the Gospel of Luke. Thank you for staying with me. If you have fallen asleep, now is the time to wake up. Christmas is a message of God's faithfulness. And so the angel answered, Mary, Mary's doubt. The angel said the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Overshadow have the reminiscence of Exodus chapter 14 where God's glory comes to rest upon the tabernacle. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy the Son of God. So we see that the virgin birth is one of God's intervention where God broke into human history where this child is conceived by God's power through the Spirit and not merely by human sexual intercourse. It is by God's will and not by human's will. God himself will accomplish this. Hence, Jesus is fully man. Mary contributed to his humanity. And Jesus is fully God. The Holy Spirit contributed to his divinity. And Jesus didn't give up his divinity, but rather he took on humanity to be with us. And here we see God's faithfulness in the virgin birth. And just to double confirm the prophecy, God gave Mary a sign. What sign is this? The sign of Elizabeth's pregnancy. You have to follow me here. Why? Because... Up to this stage no one knows about elizabeth's pregnancy why so let me explain remember in verse 20 of luke chapter 1 when the angel appeared to Zechariah, and in his unbelief the angel caused him to be mute so he couldn't tell about his wife's pregnancy and elizabeth she went into hiding for five months so no one saw her pregnancy and so The sign was a confirmation to Mary that if God can open the womb of an old couple and one who is unable to conceive, then Mary can trust God's words of her impending pregnancy. And thirdly, we see it's God's determination to be with us. You know, sometimes when you want to be with that person, you are you are willing to travel the distance. So uh, I dare to say this because my wife is not here. Uh, she loves me very much. So when, when she, she, she loves me so much that she wants to be with me, so when she married me, she, my wife is from Malaysia, she left her home country to come here to be with me. Uh, at least that's my version of the story. <laughs> I know of some Christians who... Who are, uh, who are really a uh, failure so when uh, their parents have one of their parents have uh, are terminally ill or dying they actually quit their job to be with their parents to look after them 24 seven and there's also one movie which I watch uh, miracle in cell 7 it's a Korean movie I watch it twice uh, I cried from beginning to the end twice over i wouldn 't spoil the story for you but The main character in the story is a man. uh, He's a a single parent. He has a young daughter. But he he has low IQ. So one day, he was falsely accused of rape and murder of another young child. And so he was thrown into prison. And so in one of the touching scenes in the movie, his young daughter, his little daughter, wants to be with him. So she went up to the prison chief and ask the prison chief to arrest her because she wants to be with the father because she missed him she was willing to forgo her freedom to be constrained to a cell because of her love for her father what does christmas means to us well god did the impossible to be with us the son of god took on human flesh to be associated with us To be with us physically, fully man, yet fully God. The Holy One who is sinless, set apart to do His Father's will. And what is His Father's will? His Father's will is for Him to do the impossible, for us to be with Him. It's the story of Easter, where King Jesus went to the cross to die, to pay pay. The penalty for your sins and my sins so that we are considered holy and righteous for us to be with God forever for nothing is impossible with God and after listening to all the good news announced by the angel how did Mary respond to the Christmas announcement well Mary was in a dilemma her future is at stake let me explain why firstly remember that mary is betrothed to joseph so in their culture the marriage consists of two distinct stages the first is the engagement uh, and then the second is the marriage itself in our context engagement is not legally binding right you engage to this girl today it just costs you a diamond ring when you then you change your mind I, I, okay i'm not asking you to change your mind but assuming you change your mind for some reason you just buy another diamond ring then you go after another girl and then you propose to her and then you get engaged a second time, right? But in their context, engagement is legally binding which means if Mary was to break up the, uh, her, the, her engagement with Joseph, Joseph had to divorce her. So, if she's pregnant, it's very hard to explain to, to Joseph that this child comes from the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's like, Okay, what Joseph believed? Of course, Mary had no clue that the angel would appear to Joseph as well. So, for, in her context, no husband, a young 13 to 14 years old girl means poverty. But no husband with child means extreme poverty. And not just that, bearing a child out of wedlock, Mary would be the scorn and shame and the laughingstock of Nazareth. She would have to live with this shame forever. And worse still, according to Jewish law, the penalty for adultery is the death penalty by stoning. So Mary could come up with reasonable and possible excuses that this child, this pregnancy, will destroy my future. It will cost me my happiness with Joseph. But Mary chose to listen to God's voice spoken through the angel. That you are highly favoured. That you are now part of God's plan to bless the world. And that God is with you and on your side. And Mary, she respond in verse 38 in faith. She said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. See, Mary first received Jesus in her heart before she received him in her womb. She heard God's voice and obeyed. And Mary is a willing party to her pregnancy. Mary didn't look at her inglorious situation to determine God's grace upon her. She trusted God fully. She didn't see Jesus as a burden, but as a blessing in her life. For if all that the angels said about Jesus is true... Then this child that Mary delivers will soon deliver her from her scorn and her shame. And for us Christians, I say to you, brothers and sisters in Christ, don't look at your current circumstances to determine God's love for you. Perhaps you may be going through a tough season in life. Perhaps you may have felt unloved, rejected and all alone. Look at the cross to understand the height and depth of God's love for you. And many, many things have been said about Mary. Some would elevate Mary to, this, to the, almost the same status as Jesus and call Mary a dispenser of grace, a co-savior, a co-redeemer. But this she's not. But on the other hand, we shouldn't swing to the other extreme and consider mary to be to be an afterthought of christmas for mary she's indeed highly favored and graced by god and her faith in god is indeed commendable she's first a disciple of god before she bears him for she moved from fear being fearful to being doubtful to being faithful And the Christmas announcement demands a response from you and me. It cannot leave us indifferent and unchanged. And I pray that Mary's response will be our response too, to receive Jesus as a blessing and joy in our lives. Let us all stand and pray. Father, indeed, once we were living in darkness living in our sinful ways in rebellion against you, bringing hurt and harm upon our loved ones and upon the people around us. Yet, Father, you saw our depravity and despite our unworthiness, you sent Jesus, your Son, to break into human history, to come to be our King, to be our Saviour. And it's for this reason that we can celebrate and rejoice in Christmas to remember your faithfulness upon us. So Father, even as the the angel has made the first announcement of the coming King, may you make us your herald to announce the second coming of King Jesus this Christmas. For we pray all this for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.